Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed, it's all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, you, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days, there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the Jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Day and welcome to the Removing Confusion podcast. Tom Richardson here, your host, and uh, I want to talk today about some things that are I don't know they're really heavy on my heart, but they uh, they definitely have my attention. It's got nothing to do with the world. It's just studying the Bible. Uh, we're we're in, still practically in a new year. I mean, it's it's February, and it's like the seventh today, so we aren't far into the month yet. But before you know it, it'll be March, and then before you know it, it'll be it's, you know how it goes. It just keeps going, doesn't it? Before you know it, it'll be May. It'll, it'll be June, and summer will be over then, and it just keeps on going. But. Uh, Life seems to go by quickly the older you get. And therefore, we need to figure out what's important. You know, we've seen here in the last few days, um, uh, what's that guy's name? A country guy, Toby Keith. 61 years old, 62, 62. 
practically the same age as I am, and he's dead. Stomach cancer. Boom. Didn't even know he had it. I don't really follow him. I, I wasn't a big fan of him. I, I, I don't have anything against him. I just, not my, my, not my cup of tea. But, you know, from all intents and purposes, I mean, we look at people like the Rolling Stones that are in their 80s, and I don't even know who props them up to keep going, but they certainly do. Uh, I know folks that hit 70 and they get so much arthritis in their fingers and can't play anymore but these guys I guess the devil is just keeping them moving and you know it's sad some people will say well how can you say that the devil gave them that yeah well you know God may have allowed them to have the abilities they have maybe there was a, a, a whisper in there but they turned it all over to the other side uh I'm going to get off that and on to something more important. In the last few months, I I sat down and I I, I prayed about it, of course, and I, and I, I considered if I really wanted to do a more contextual study of the Bible, not just pop a verse and, oh, wow, that one really does something for me and, and go with it for my preaching and even here uh but you know i landed on the book of john i landed on book of john because you know when we when we lead someone to jesus or when jesus leads them to us for us to disciple them we always tell them go read the book of john or i i even have uh little booklets that are just the book of John. I got some that have John and Romans. Uh, you want to blow somebody's mind, let them, you know, get newly minted in Christ and say, here, read Romans. <laughs> That'll really get them going. Some people think we ought to take Romans out of the Bible. I think those are fools. We need all that we have. Now, as I started to read and I, and I, you know, I've quoted John a lot, not just John three sixteen. Uh, many people can do that even outside the church, but uh, John chapter one. In the beginning was the Word, you know, and we've talked about that here on the podcast. And it's it's important to understand who Jesus is, and that's why John is such a wonderful place to start for a new believer, is they learn who Jesus really is if they're if they're guided properly and you know the the thing is is do we start a new group when we get you know you get three or four people that have come to you and they've they've had a hunger for Christ and you you show them Christ and they uh you know it, it's it's evident that God has drawn them in and they're saved but now they need discipleship. They need someone to take them, you know, by the hand, really. And unfortunately, a lot of these dimwits in the pulpits take people by the neck or the throat, and they're, they they start on tithing right off the bat, you know, or, or you know, getting baptized, you know. I, I believe you should be baptized, but I don't believe that that's the hinge, linchpin of your salvation, we're going to look at some things today. 
and I, I, I uh, turn to my one of my favorite places as I study scripture. It's called the Treasury of Scriptural Knowledge. It's a wonderful tool that that kind of takes verses one by one and 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 helps you to link other verses to it that are of a like mind uh sometimes in our bibles we have uh i have one here that uh you know it'll have a verse and then at at the end of that verse it'll it'll tell you other verses that correspond it now the the problem with some of those and and i'm glad it's there but the problem with some of those is it'll just pick out like a phrase within there and take you to another verse that has no contextual uh significance as i'm reading john i'm telling you i i zipped through a couple of of chapters and i'm I'm gonna have to repent and go back on that one in john chapter seven i got to uh and i were and my groups were moving towards chapter eight but in john chapter seven uh, Jesus gets into it with his brothers, his actual half brothers, who are you know just castigating on him. You need to get up to Jerusalem and show off. You know, there's there's a lot of people that don't know about you. That there's a lot of people that haven't seen these awesome things that you've done. Jesus wasn't here to show off. Jesus was here to glorify the Father, and therefore in the end the father would glorify him and he would continually tell them my hour has not yet come it's wonderful though he tells his brothers uh, (laughs) uh, my hour has not yet come but your hour has always been you know so he said verse number six of john seven my time is not yet come but your time is always ready. In other words, you know, you guys should be up there in Jerusalem. You should be up there proclaiming the hour and day of the Lord, but they're not. They're busy down here giving the Lord a hard time. Anyway, he ends up going, you know, in the end, he lets them go on their own. Then he, he kind of sneaks into town because he's not trying to make a big to-do, you know, and and some people are trying to play that you know i've heard people say well he must have been afraid jesus was not afraid this he was going to a feast there's a feast going on in jerusalem and that feast was a feast of tabernacles which is a fall feast jesus knows that he will not be sacrificed killed or otherwise during the fall feast he would be taken during a passover So he had no fear. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So I guarantee you that the man who was walking about as God in the flesh, the word made flesh, God in the flesh had no fear of the Jews or anyone else. The Romans didn't make any difference. He would speak openly to anyone. He was not afraid. Now, John seven thirteen hit me. As I was reading it, I, I scribbled a note on the, on the heading of another pa- piece of paper. Um, 
how be it? No man spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. To this day, even though now these people were in fear of several different things, and we'll look at those in just a second. But when I read that, I said, I, I'm always scribbling. You can hardly read my writing. I can hardly read it. But I go back and I'm looking at this. So like, you know, this is a ongoing problem even today. No, nobody wants to talk openly about Jesus. I don't know if it's fear. They're not afraid of the Jews, of course, but they, they have fear of other things. They have fear of, of, uh, not being accepted and that was a problem back in that day as well uh let me find where i'm at here john seven thirteen, john nine twenty two. these words spoke his parents he, he had uh, i believe this is one where he'd healed a guy he, he, because they feared the jews and the jews agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. People were afraid back then of being separated from the synagogue, being taken away from the uh, yearly uh, slaughtering of the sheep that forgave them of their sin, both personally and nationally. So they had a fear of being separated. They had a fear of being set aside, you know, being kicked out is what we call it today. You know, there's things even in our churches today that cannot be discussed openly if you have a different opinion about them. Once saved, always saved. The rapture of the church as being pre-tribulational because everybody will be out of here before anything happens. That first one really bugs me. The, uh, the, the once saved, always saved through a sinner's prayer. Whisper this prayer after me, and it'll all be good. There's nothing biblical there. Go to the Bible and see what it says. Did, did, did Jesus ever use it? And if you take that out of the equation, did Paul or Peter or John or Jude or James, did they ever use such a mantra? No, they did not. God added to the church, and they discipled the people. They built them up in Christ. You, you got to a point where you knew him so well because of the men who were sharing him with you. You saw the power of the Holy Ghost. You felt the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not talking about speaking in tongues and, and lifting up the dead and all these other things. Just the fact that you can feel within you a change. And if you don't feel that change, go back to the synagogue because you don't know it. You don't know Christ yet. That's all there is to it. And that's what people are afraid of. We're going to get kicked out of the synagogue. Nowadays, I'm going to get kicked out of my family. You know, a Muslim can be killed for that. Jews, you know, if they figure out a way, will literally try to kill their own kids they used to because there's such a hate for jesus they don't want to accept the fact that the christ came and they missed it him sorry they don't want to admit that there's a very 
real possibility that the man who stood there before them 2,000 years ago and proclaimed himself in all the I am's that we see throughout John, I am the, I am the light, I am the door, I am the, the good shepherd, on and on. I am. Jews were very cautious about using the words I am in anything because it's the name of God from Le, uh, Le, I'm sorry, Exodus. I am that I am. <clears throat> now, take your Bible, if you were looking at it or whatever you're using, and go to John chapter 12 and verse number 42. There's, there's this fear thing. Nevertheless, among the chief priests, I'm sorry, I'm rephrasing. I'm I'm reading ahead of myself. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him, Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. These are people who have a place in the synagogue. These are the rulers in synagogues. These are men who have a position, religious in the religious order of the day, the Jewish order. To this day, you have the same thing. And, I, and you know something? Again, I, I struggle sometimes with myself. I, 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 I hold back on certain things when I deal with people in certain denominational settings. I believe that God can still use what I have to say, but if I go full bore at them, I'm done and then they go back to whatever it is they had before, which could be nothing, or they have to pay somebody to do it. But they get the, they get the truth from me. I don't force Calvinism on anybody because I'm not really one of those either. I believe in some of the Calvinistic ideas. It does say, Jesus said it more than once, John chapter 6, no one comes to me unless the Father draw them. And that's the Spirit of God that draws them in. Once they're there, he, can, he will not get rid of them. But these guys, in, 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 in their fear of being put out of the synagogue, again, the chief rulers of the synagogues, they believed on it. Many of them did. John twelve forty two. read it. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. These Pharisees had a lot of power. A lot of them were in the Sanhedrin. So a lot of them them were in the, uh, you know, they were they were the chief priests and everything else. But in verse 43, it says, For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. You step up. You step up and you just say, Look, he is the Christ. He is the Son of God. Boom, you're out of the synagogue. But guess what? You're into the full family of God. God can look upon you and say, well done. If you want to stick with the praise of men, you may not get that opportunity. It may go exactly the opposite. I don't know that. I'm not here to judge anybody. I just read this Bible as it's put there. 
But you know as well as I do that many people love the praise of men more than they want the praise of God. They they want the accolades that they get here. They want the, the big offerings that they get here. They want to be able to write a book and people say, oh, yeah, I know that guy's name and buy it. You know, they become a New York Times bestseller before it, it's the last words even written. They get they get to go on the radio and and get interviewed. They get to go on uh, whoever took over for Larry King. I don't think anybody and be interviewed. Oprah, you know all the other big shots out there. You know and 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 then their 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 message becomes still watered down because they're they're looking for that praise from men. If you sit there and tell them yes. There is only one way, and his name is Christ. Guess what? You're not gonna you're not gonna get invited back to Oprah. You're not gonna get invited back to every other talking head, unless there is a, there's a few that are, you know, good believing people, I believe. But for the most part, you're done. You're done. They don't want to hear from you again. You're you're gonna ostracize the people who are you know mormon jehovah's witness whatever because they have a whole different ideal and that's okay up to i'd do it because we like to have people tell us oh you did a good job oh i love that book you wrote i heard the interview blah 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 I want that praise of God. You know, I, I, I'm no, I, my, my reach here isn't really deep, but I don't care. The ones that hear it, I hope, are blessed by it, and that's all that counts. John 19, verse number 38. I know I'm cherry-picking verses. That's okay. That's This is, again, a scriptural knowledge thing, really something else. And after that, Joseph of Arimathea. Now, anybody, everybody should know who he is. He was uh, the fellow that got the body of Jesus and put him in his own grave or tomb. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus. Look at this. If you're, I really would like you to read this along with me so you can see the punctuation. Now, I am using the King James here. Not to confuse anybody that I use other versions now and then, but I'm, I'm just, that's where I'm at. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, comma, being a disciple of Jesus, comma, but secretly for fear of the Jews, comma, lots of commas in there, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph did a nice thing. He did a great thing. He did what prophecy said would happen. That, you know, you'd be laid in a grave that's not your own. But don't worry, you're not going to be there very long. Paraphrasing, that's the Tom version. But he he's he's still... You know, and you know, again, I'm not judging Joseph of Arimathea. In that day, many people would probably do the same things simply because 
your life is it you know in jeopardy for one thing belief belief in the christ the son of the living god that would put you in a place where there goes your neck or they'll hang you on a cross probably the second or stone you to death if the jews got their leave they would just stone you and get it over with that's their that was their way to do it but he being a disciple so at least he he's that and john gives him the credit of that but secretly for fear of the jews Okay, let's look at John twenty nineteen. This is the entirety of the disciples, maybe minus one or two. One for sure, a guy named Judas. But the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, that would be uh, what we call Sunday. When the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Again, fear of the Jews. These were the guys who walked with Christ for three and a half years or however long it it was. These are the men who saw multiple miracles raising the dead, feeding the multitudes, healing the sick, lame, and, la- and the uh, um, those that were blind and deaf and dumb and mute and whatever, you know, withered hands, uh, on and on, turning water into wine, which was the best wine that anybody ever drank. But yet they were afraid now. When Jesus was taken in the garden, it says he strike the shepherd and the sheep will flee, and that's exactly what happened. Boom, they were gone. Peter, and we know about Peter, he denied Jesus. Why? He was afraid. And many of us today will say, well, I wouldn't do that. You know, what was wrong with him? He should have known better. But yet, how often do you go out and preach and teach or talk to somebody and say, look, I I think you need just a hair bit of guidance. Oh, you think you're better than me? Well, no, I don't. I I keep telling people, you know, I only want to be as better. The, The only person I would be better today is the man that I was yesterday. Proverbs 29, 25. I was going to start with this, but I I wanted to jump right into the meat. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whosoever or whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. It's not all about being safe here either. Now you look at the life of guys like David who was being chased around in the, in the wilderness and the desert of, of Judea and, and Jordan and everything else because King Saul wanted him dead. Saul thought he could override God. 
because if he got rid of David, because he knew, you know, Samuel pretty much told him, you know, you, you're done. You know, God's going to let you sit on the throne, but that's it. After, after, the, after you kick the bucket, it will not be Jonathan or any of your sons that take over. It will be David. So let's get David out of the way and no problem, right? Or is, I mess with pe- people that, you know, my buddy Mike, no problem, Bob. No, it's a big problem. You're much better off to accept, and especially when it's the a man of God and a true one. Samuel was a true one. A prophet, a judge, says to you, this is how it's going to be. There's no way around it. You have gone beyond what God will accept from a king. Therefore, none of your progeny or anything else will take over once you're gone. And they didn't because they got killed. It's a sad thing. And you know, the thing about it is, you know, all the anxiety that, that David was put through, all the, all the, he had to be in fear too, running around trying to keep away from Saul, King Saul, trying not to get himself killed. He had a, he did have a protection and that protection was God. Because, you know, he, he, he may have had that fear of being whacked by Saul, but, uh, he put his trust in the Lord. He knew that God had a plan. Now, you know, he was anointed by God's man, therefore really anointed by God. And that's a interesting bit when you read it is, you know, Saul, King Saul, was anointed with a vial of oil. But yet when uh, Samuel went to Jesse's house to anoint the new king, David was anointed with a horn of oil. It's a lot more oil than a vial. That's just my own personal speculation on that, or my own personal thinking. That, uh, you know, from the get-go, Saul had a lot of problems. But you know what? He started out good, and he ended up bad. That is a, a tale for us all. Now, David made many mistakes along the way, but his repentant heart kept him in line with God. He did fear God. You know, that's, that's the, that's the, the, that is the linchpin of our faith, is to love God, trust God, but also be, be fearful. That fear keeps you from being stupid. Except, uh, forgive me my <clears throat> excuse me forgive me my my blunt way of putting it but it's the truth we need to not worry so much about all the things that go on around us that can cause so much trouble in our lives we can create all that we need but fear is what 
brings us down to our knees and literally can ruin a, a, a good walk with God. And I believe that people are starting to wake up to that very thing. When you study the Bible and you study the old guys, Noah, Moses, Abraham, Enoch, there's that, there's that consistency that flows through there that they walked with God. They made mistakes because as a man, as a human, that means woman or man, you're always going to make mistakes. There's going to be things that you decide, I think I've got this, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And it flops badly. We look at the uh, political scene that goes on in our, our world and we realize that there is something really desperately wrong with everything. Washington, D.C. is a pit. There are people who to this day, and I, I don't say I, I won't say I disagree, that believe that America is the whore of Babylon. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But why is it that we have such a plethora of a mess going on in in all of this that we call our, our you know let's just stay within the boundaries of the church. The things that we see happening the, the the perversities that I, I can't even fathom. These pastors that are, and teachers and people who have been entrusted to bring the gospel just doing things that should never even be discussed. But I guarantee you, you can find the discussions if you go out and look for them. It's not just the Catholics either. I, I just, it, 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 it is a heartbreaking thing. Interesting. Uh, I like the, I like commentaries. This verse that we've been building this around today is, uh, John 7 and 13 however no one spoke openly of him because they had a fear of the Jews the religious leaders didn't want did not want people to talk about Jesus at all the common people feared some uh, some penalty from these religious leaders if they were heard speaking of Jesus they they had these guys they had spies everywhere one of those old guys by the name of Bruce uh, his last name I'll try to find the first name for you quoted 
Whether they approved or disapproved of him, they did not voice their opinions too loudly or too, or too publicly. The authorities did not wish them to be discussed or wish him to be discussed at all. And anyone who disregarded their wishes was liable to feel the displeasure. So you, you go against the grain. Like I say, you start, you start questioning things within the denominational boundaries of whatever church you go to. And you will find that they will cut you to ribbons. You literally stone you. Now, some F.F. Bruce, that was F.F. Bruce from the Gospel of John, <clears throat> 1983. That's a little newer than I like usually, but that was a good quote all the same. These people that uh, run things in our denominational settings today are no different than the Pharisees and the rest that were around in Jesus' day. You do not go against what we believe or we'll just cut you off. We'll turn people against you. We will make people look at you with disdain. How many men have faced that? I, I, say, I say more than you know. And it's sad. Should we not all be as one accord? Acts chapter 2 does, does say that. They were all one in one accord and met daily in the temple. It is so difficult these days to get people to meet, to meet even one day a week. The a.m. Sunday services are down significantly across the board. And I know some churches are flourishing, some are doing okay. But if they be truthful... The difference between now and back in 2019 are probably phenomenal. Oh, we can sit at home with our pajamas and watch it on TV or the computer or whatever. Don't have to get up. Don't have to get ready. You don't have to fellowship. You don't have to corporately come together in prayer. There's power in prayer, folks. There's power in prayer. And if you can't come to the group, you'll lose the power. People don't get it. Because the church, for the most part, I have a friend of mine. He's dead now. He was a part of the church that I go to for many, many years. And he told me one day, he says, Tom, we need, to, we need to do something. We need to get these people to wake up because this place is dead. <laughs> I said, boy, you got a, you said a mouthful there, brother. You stand in front of people and you look out and you're like, what are they doing? Are they even listening to what we say? Are they singing the songs? I can't tell. I, I guarantee you there are there are places that you can go and worship God. And you wouldn't even think that this would be a place that you could do it at, but you can do it. And people are there to, to listen, to sing, 
to just enjoy it. That is the whole gist of it. You know, it's not, it's not that church has to be fun. It's, it should still be enjoyed. It should still be something that, you know, when you walk away, you gained knowledge of Christ. You, you, you found that that path that you were called to walk is not the easiest one. But it's the best one. I remember years ago, my granddad uh, sitting at the table, we we're talking, and one person at the table said, Well, why has this got to be so hard? And mainly, that was a discussion on forgiveness. But why has it got to be so hard? Why is this thing? I just want to be a Christian. I don't want to. I don't want all the extraneous stuff. You need to check yourself if you're in that boat right there, folks. Don't let don't let that be your lot. But this wise old man, who within a few years had passed on, was wise. He, he was. He was. He was a. He was a good fella, and he'd had his issues through life. But he looked at this person and he just said, the Christian walk is not always an easy walk. And there's nothing you can add to that. Jesus never promised us that the narrow path would be a breeze. He never promised that that everything would be hunky-dory from here on out. He told us people will hate you. They'll hate you because they already hate me. And and people didn't get it. Like, what are you talking about? Who hates you? He said, there's people trying to kill me. Who, who's trying to kill you? Well, he ended up dead, didn't he? But he blew their minds when he showed up again. But still yet again, they hated him. They wanted him dead. He never lied. Nothing you can find in Scripture that Jesus said. Look at the red letters if you have that. Is a lie. But then nothing in the Bible is a lie. There are, there are deceptions that come along, but not lies. Not from God. As I go forward, um, again, that's that's one verse in John chapter 7 that correlates and shows us that fear doesn't really get us anywhere. And fear of man really is not a place to set yourself at. There's going to be people who just don't like you because of your stance for Christ. Accept it. Accept it. It's worthy to take that on. It's okay. They think they're smarter than you are. That's that's the pharisaical attitude. Now, I'm not calling everybody that. That's, that's too cliche. But there's people out there 
who, you know, I'm steeped in my denominational theology. Well, you should have been steeped in Christian theology. Get that first. Get into the Bible and understand what Christ stood for, what he wanted his people to do, and then branch out from that. You'll know if your denomination is on track. You'll know when they start to tell you heresies and fallacies. You'll know because you went to the Bible first. God always tells us. Like the Bereans in Acts that were more noble than the Thessalonians because they went to the Bible. They went to the scriptures to see if what Paul told them was the truth. I encourage everybody. I don't care who you're listening to, especially if you're listening to me. I'm not trying to trip you up. I'm trying to put you on the right path. I'm trying to get your feet set where they need to be. Remove the confusion, and everything else falls right in place. Till next time, it's Tom Richardson, Removing Confusion Podcast here on February the 7th, 2024. Till next time, God bless you. Father, well, he's made me his own.